Welcome to the Dark Zone 9000, the official podcast for 1900hotdog.com. We are the last fun place on the internet with daily articles from an all-star cast of hilarity technicians. We are sponsored and ad-free and supported only by listeners like you at our Patreon, patreon.com slash 1900hotdog. This is me telling you to do that or all joy dies and we all just tweet about how bad tweeting is until the sun goes out. I'm unkillable internet founder Sean Baby, and my co-host is now legally recognized as a top Asian hunk by North Korea in exchange for 11 American prisoners. We'll never see those children again, but it was worth it. Robert Brockway! Now, this does mean you're not allowed to talk bad at me, about me, around me, or anything, because I am now an ambassador to North Korea. And if you do uh, say that maybe I don't deserve my position as an Asian hunk, uh, that undermines the ability to get those hostages out of there safely. You're, you're costing American lives, is, is all I'm saying about that. Uh, here's a Brockway fact. Robert Brockway also likes to get drunk and surprise people with harmonica solos. There will be no follow-up <laughs> questions. You don't need them. You don't need them. needed. We've all experienced it. Uh, you may know our, our guest from his voice on Gamefully Unemployed or his words on some more news. It's weird I always introduce everyone like we have a studio audience. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's David Bell. Thank you. Thank you. It's great all. to have you back. Thank you very much. Settle down. Everybody settle down. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I'm very, uh, you know me, I'm very excited all the time about everything. How are things with your modern media job and your Chaos Pixie lover? Oh, good. Everything's good. I've been eating a lot of fiber gummies. Too many. Like, they're delicious. Have you had these? Like fiber choice supplements. You know about these? No. You guys heard of these? Yeah, heard about <laughs> these? <laughs> these poop gummies? You're not supposed to God. eat a lot of them. I'm, I'm learning. You shut yourself inside out of these gummies. You heard about this? <laughs> they're really good, though. <laughs> <laughs> they're really delicious gummies. If only they made a non-fiber version. I need they, to you, they would really be onto something. <laughs> That's the dream. <laughs> Just I, a gummy bear with no weird shit in it would be <laughs> so good. I keep them by my desk, and I think that's where things have gone wrong. Because you just idly... Reach over and you're like, oh, I'll pop a gummy. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to keep those by your desk. You're just you're like filled with hemp. I yeah. don't trust gummy. Too many things have been like imported into gummies that I no longer trust. Like a basic gummy. Every time I see one, I'm like, I don't know what that's gonna do. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Surprise! This is a vitamin. It could be a medicine. It could be like some kind of ibuprofen. It's probably weed. Could be I acid. Mean, the, the Maybe just fiber. Of gummying something. I mean, is it solid? Is it liquid? We don't know. It's a mystery. Mm-hmm. I don't trust. You know. Them. We'll never trust them. Yeah. It's weird science hasn't, like, adopted gummy as, like, a real state of matter at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, the, it's the fifth state of matter, of course. <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess I plugged Gamefully Unemployed and some more oh, yeah. Is I there anything feel... else? Uh, you always have, like, so many projects you're working on. Is there something uh, we no, should mention? No, I, I feel plugged. Like, I Good. I mean, patreon.com slash Gamefully Probably Unemployed. Probably all those or just gummies. Google it. Yeah, I'm plugged. Right? Right, yeah. everybody? <laughs> Get those diarrhea bears. Oh, yeah, uh, today bad. we're talking about three other things we all love. Comedy, Harry Dean Stanton, and that delicate sweet spot between fun drunk and way too fucking drunk. Mm. <laughs> we, uh, we all watched season 11, episode 7 of Saturday Night Live. Uh, this was in 1986. Uh, hosted by Harry Dean Stanton, the musical guest was The Replacements, or The Mats if you're a 1986 hipster. I want to push um, back slightly when you said we're going to talk about comedy. Um, I want to push back a, slightly that we're going to talk about the fun spot between fun drunk mm-hmm. and way too drunk. Because I don't think we saw that. <laughs> you think we were stuck in way too fucking drunk the whole yes. time? Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't... I, 
I might disagree about the monologue. I feel like the monologue. We'll get to, we'll get to all of it, I guess. Um, before we start, uh, I think we all agree Harry Dean Stanton is great. Um, do you have a favorite Harry Dean Stanton performance other than, of course, this episode of Saturday Night Live? Um, what was that movie? Paris, Texas. He was quite good in that. Mm. Yeah. Um, obviously, everybody knows him from Alien. It's weird to say. I like his little bit in the Avengers. He's good in Avengers. Yeah, it's cute. He was yeah. in the Avengers? He's um yeah, in he the like first Avengers. Yeah, he's a janitor. No, a museum museum janitor? Yeah. Or as a security guard. Uh, he's he finds something. um Ruffles, naked there Ruffles, have Mark Ruffles. Been yeah, so many Ruffles. Avengers that there's just like a spot in my memory that is just like Avengers and it, right. it's all the same thing. It's all just like Yeah. It's all just shiny. That's fine. It's all just shiny, like one color palette. And I'm like, that was. This is where we file the adventure. And I remember nothing about any of them now. If there had been one, I would know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. pick Red Dawn. I feel like Red Dawn is my favorite. Avenge me. Moment. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Another great Avengers movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Technically, yes. <laughs> so I do have some notes about like what happened behind the scenes, but I think we should go through interface with it. Like they intended, like we're watching the show. Sorry, I, I, I just want to add, I've never watched this era of SNL, so it's a shocking to see who's in it. Um, yeah, yeah I, did, I didn't know the cast, and I didn't know how miserable it would be with that cast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's long stretches of silence. With the, where yeah. they're doing, it's like a child's funeral while they're trying to do these <laughs> sketches that don't, they don't go anywhere a lot of the time. I, they're yes. just, it's, it's I, breathtaking. I want to just Is it always like this? your statement to be, I don't, I want to remove the comma from your statement. It's like a child's funeral and they're doing sketches. I, that's right? one thing. <laughs> yes. It is like that. That is a really yeah. good way to describe it. Uh, yeah. This was, there, there was a pretty legendary writing staff too. Like, uh, this was Al Franken and Robert Smigel. What the I fuck? Had I had a, a yeah. I actually had a question about this because they do a couple of pre-recorded things, and uh-huh. um, fucking Bruce McCullough's in one. And I was yeah. like, is yeah. this is is the reason why I like the pre-recorded things because it's actually the Kids in the Hall people doing these before the Kids in the Hall? I couldn't tell. I think there might have been some crossover, but yeah, the pre-recorded bits were really good. Yeah, because um, they were thought out. <laughs> And like yes, they were thought out. And because some some of the people in them were not completely fucking drunk. <laughs> At least like one person yeah. wasn't just yes. Just so uh, the show started with a press conference by the Burger King Herb character. Uh, do you guys remember the Herb character? No, it's very short. I was lost. Uh, this was product <laughs> placement, right? This was product. Almost. Also, the first thing well, we there... see is Dennis Miller, and I was like, oh no, it's oh, this yeah. era. I have this theory, and I believe it is proven true by this episode. And my theory is this. I think if the first thing you see is Dennis Miller and the second thing you see is Randy Quaid, you're in for, like, some terrible failed comedy. However, if you flip it, if the first thing you see is Randy Quaid and then the second thing you see is Dennis Miller, you're in for terrible Mm. failed politics. Oh, interesting. (laughs) That is... You're so wise. And and I'm, I'm... it's a theory really I've impressed. held for a long time. And no, I believe I'm it sure you're right. I'm, this is, you're absolutely right. This is my thesis, this episode. Right. You know what's wild is uh, fucking Randy Quaid felt like the person who, like, he felt the most naturally there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where this era, Randy Quaid, I'm like, yeah, him and SNL, this works. Like, everybody else stuck out. But he was the only one who felt like he could, he could at least try to hold together these sketches a little bit. Right. It did feel like he was like um, like the glue 
Like right. the, the only professional in a room full of like like clumsy amateurs. Yeah, which is extremely disturbing uh, uh, yes. to have like Randy Quaid is the one that you're looking for for help. Uh, yeah, and yeah. he was in a lot of sketches. I think he was probably in the most sketches in this show. Yeah. Um, See, in my notes, strange. I have Randy Quaid is also very drunk. Yeah. Yes. It's possible. I think I everybody, don't. I actually think almost everybody in this cast is extremely drunk. Oh, yeah. And I want to know, do you think it's because, here's my, here's my question, do you think it's because, like, they're all fucking blitzed off of alcohol and everything else because Sam Kinison is here as a featured guest or is Sam Kinison here as a featured guest because this is the era where everybody was fucking blitzed? Like, it's one or the other. Yeah. Right. I think the replacements are responsible, at least for Harry Dean Stanton's drunkenness. Probably. But I'll, we'll, I'd like we'll get to that. Sam Kinison and the replacements. And Harry Dean Stanton is over there like, I, I've been clean for 16 hours, guys. Come on. <laughs> I'm 59 years old. I can't. I can't get fucking tore up before an all night. I can't beer ball Mad Dog and then do SNL. All right, I guess I can. I guess I can. I guess. I guess I can. <laughs> so I, I looked this up. This is the Where's Herb campaign, and it was about a guy. Uh, it only ran for about a year and a half, two years. Where it was about a guy who never tried a Whopper, and like that was haha, how crazy because everyone is eating a Whopper. But it was weirder than that. It was your job as a TV viewer to find him, to hunt him. So, and he was out there like Burger King, Burger King sent this actor around to pop into different franchises. And like, if you found him, you it did something. I don't, him? I don't know. And if you brought him so down, it's like, if you could bring him down. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Terrorism isn't the right word, but I don't think you should make a human man the task on a nationwide scavenger hunt. I just, maybe that was safe in 1986. It feels, it feels, yes, that's running man. You running man. Um, yeah. You running man to man. <laughs> It feels I'm telling you, if you catch me on the right day, I throw that guy in the trunk and I'd be miles away before I realized it wasn't funny. I'd be like, I fucking got her, guys. Like, oh, no, wait. What a- no, 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 guys, we shouldn't be doing this. It feels pre-internet. Remember when they had that hitchhiking yeah. robot recently and it went across Canada successfully? Yes. And then they put it in America and it got murdered in a ditch in Pittsburgh. And I yeah. felt so, that was like the only time I felt proud to be an American and like yeah, it, it's, he did the right thing. If they ran something like this today, it would just be people online conspiring to, yeah, to kidnap this yep. poor man. I think it would end exactly the same way with her murdered in a ditch in Pittsburgh. Yes, <laughs> just filled with barbecue sauce and left for dead in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I think he'd make it across Canada safely. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I looked up. There's more details about this. If you got a discount, if you told some poor Burger King cashier, I'm not Herb, which had to have been uh. a fucking social nightmare for every cashier who got a guy actually named Herb, who's like, I'm not Herb, but uh, let me tell a funny story. I actually am Herb. Oh, it God. all started. It, but you get like, nothing. <laughs> yes. Also, did we when uh, Starbucks? Do you remember when Starbucks suggested that you talk about race with the cashiers? Oh, oh yeah. Fuck. What a fucking yeah. nightmare. Yeah. It feels like that. But like. I hate it more. It combines the I worst think, of capitalism with the worst of silliness. Right. I think, I think it, they should run this campaign again, but anyone who says it just gets dropped in a trap door. Like, yes. I'm not Herb, and you're not fucking anything anymore. Yes. Trap door! <laughs> I, I think in general, any company that encourages you to do, interact or bother with their minimum wage employees is yeah. just r- straight up evil. Also, did we retire? The onus of promotion on your minimum wage employees. Yeah. I've got an idea. What if they do it? Did we retire Herb as a name? Yeah, you, you probably don't run into too many Herbs. I think they've so. all turned into Burt's. Oh. I think it was Burt Reynolds that did it. I think it was the tipping point. Yeah, like, let's try to picture it running into like someone at like 
you know, someone in your circle of friends and they'd had a baby and they're like, yes, this is my, my newborn herb. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> what's their actual name? Like, yeah, that's a fun, stop, fun little stop gag Stop fucking name. around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, okay, Randy Quaid plays Herb. And uh, this is a terrible comedy sketch, but I sort of love it. it he sort of has a really dull and depressing reason for not eating a Whopper. And that's the gag is that he's like, I had an allergic reaction to the specific glue used to keep the buns attached during cross-country transport. And he just drags it out. So, and then it ends with, it's such an anti-punchline. And I just love how weird it is. All of the uh, all of the sketches will add, will end with an odd silence from the audience yes. while no one is sure if that's the end, and more than yep. one of them are like tragic, like they're sad tragic stories. We'll get to the one that's really sad, <laughs> but like there's multiple ones where they just sort of meander through this idea. They never really have many punchlines, and then it's just like the camera pulls out, and you're just like, oh, oh, I guess that's I guess that's the end. Yeah, and I wanna yeah. I wanna clarify intentionally like that we're not saying it's, yes. it's it's tragic like that this comedy failed they will intentionally end on an actual tragedy that they expect you the audience to be like oh no right like, okay and then they'll formally <laughs> yep. say goodbye they'll say good night to you thank you for watching our sketch and then they will end it like, yeah that's a fucking bold way to, to end a comedy bit yeah that's what I like. This was, I think, a Jack Handy. It feels like Jack Handy, uh, but I can't verify that he wrote this specific sketch. But, um, you know, he kind of did that, where it was sort of like, the, the, everyone knows the deep thoughts of the Jack Handy, probably. Right. Where, uh, it's sort of tragic, but like in a way that sort of hits you in waves, like little layers of madness. And I feel like that's what this I, sketch had. Yeah, I think uh, with a lot of these, th this is part of why the pre-recorded ones work, is that like... I think if you perform them differently, they would they mm -hmm. would hit better. But it's yep. like these comedians sort of like performing at like broad comedy on these like really weird and like somewhat tragic sketches. Some of them don't go anywhere. And I feel like if you had like a director and music and editing, it would it would all kind of work a little better. But right. they don't have that. I think if some of them, if at least one of them wasn't fucking torn off their tits <laughs> yeah. trying to do this. Yeah, yes. Uh, I think so, some of them would land. I think I the punchline wasn't wasn't Harry Dean Stanton going, fuck it. Yeah. Oh, hold on. <laughs> oh, Jesus, where am I? But yes, oh, he I comes out, back, Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> He's a... Uh, a great beloved character actor, even back then. But the only movie he was in that year was Pretty in Pink. I wouldn't call that a Harry Dean Stanton yeah. movie. He's also so he's like not. What is he here wrong. for? He's not they a never mentioned guy. why he's here. No, not yeah, not that I know of. He's a, a straight man in some comedy performances, but like, yeah, he's not like a funny guy, uh, and he doesn't even try. He um, he comes out for his monologue, and. Uh, I don't know. He's immediately drunk. In a way. He's visibly drunk. Like, he is wearing the drunk. uniform of drunk. Like, I, I was like, <laughs> it, uh, you guys told me that he was apparently going to get drunker, and I was like, that can't be possible. Impossible. He's already <laughs> too drunk. And he says, like, he slurs up, forget the cue cards right away. Yeah. Uh, and I it's like, a, oh, no. I have his entire monologue. I'd love to play it for everybody. Coming out, everyone's like, yes. This young crowd, like, I, I think I know this guy. Yeah. In 1986, they're already like, who? <laughs> he was 59. Yeah, he's already old. He's always been old. Visibly drunk. Tie on sideways. Thank you, 
All right. Hey, forget the cue cards. I don't know what the hell's going to happen on this show. I will... I guarantee you it's going to be unpredictable, I'll tell you that. As a producer, just white knuckling Working with this, this bunch for a yep. week's like being held captive by the SLO for a week. He meant the SLA. Ah, well, forget that. Fucking fail. Fucked up his first joke. I'll tell you one thing, he's going to give me a chance I've never had before to sing the blues. <laughs> to me, like, Uh-oh. a fucking drunk uncle at a wedding reception. Yes, now. I wrote literally that. Drunk <laughs> uncle at a wedding reception. <laughs> I wrote, this is every bride's worst nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's, he's oozing that energy. I'm glad we all hit that. Yeah, yep. It's the only note to take. Yeah. Now, I wrote it's, that this he is, climbs a ladder at this point, and this yeah. is almost where he dies. Yes. Like, he should have yep. died here. We should the have almost he, lost him. The moment he went for the ladder, I imagined several people getting up, like like ready to brace themselves of what's going to happen. Uh, it's really, it, I was scared. Watching this, scared yeah. for him, scared for the people around him. Later, a baby is in a sketch, and I was like, "Don't do that!" Oh, do don't oh, yeah. give that to Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, for the love don't give of that God. to anybody in this yeah. in this cast right now. Yeah. Not right now. I think he's the greatest to ever do it. Like that is probably my favorite SNL monologue. Just I don't fucking know what that says. Here's half a joke. Yeah, I didn't say it right. He's sing shit. the blues. Here's the, I'm singing the blues. <laughs> yep. Band, are you ready? Deal with it. And he climbs just, a ladder. Oh, no. That that I just yeah. I really want to stress that he he drunkenly climbs a ladder up to fucking what is his name G's Smith and his fucking mm-hmm. band and like it's it really is a very tense situation. I'm not convinced they knew it was going to happen. Like they're doing their yeah. smile and they're playing along, but there's such like tension there as they kind of make room for him that I think maybe maybe they thought he couldn't climb ladders. Like no, he's. In his state, he's not going to climb a ladder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're That's safe ridiculous. up here. I'm, I was scared the ladder wasn't a functioning ladder because it it's SNL. <laughs> because, That's like, they love, they love to make it look like a cool street, you know? And if you're drunk, you yeah. might get confused. He might try to hail a cab or something up there. It's made out of well. pipe. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Like ordering some 2 a.m. spaghetti. Yeah. Is that a load-bearing ladder? <laughs> it can hold this Harry Dean Stanton, and I'm, I'm glad it could. Yeah, me too. Because um, I, I would have hated to see him die. That would have probably <laughs> taken the fun out of this episode. Yeah, it would have been good. They just uh, weakened at Bernie's him for the rest. I sort of like the commercial they go to next. It's uh, the the premise is this um, nice classic comedy premise. Randy Quaid's dad has died in their furniture warehouse a month ago, <laughs> and his, his, the stench of his dead body has tainted all of their merchandise, Stinky and they furniture. have to get rid of it. It's so Stinky <laughs> furniture. <laughs> And then they just drag it on. Like, every single joke is, you see this? It fucking reeks like my dead dad. You want to buy it? And it's Robert Downey Jr., which we haven't mentioned. There was that year that he was on SNL. And he's probably trying. He's one of the people trying the hardest on this. Because I feel like he knew. He knew this wasn't for him. Um, And it's him and Randy Quaid doing a bit together. And, like, I never thought I'd see that ever. No. No. Yeah, he comes on and he is really like giving his full energy to playing this like a tiny boy. Yes. And it's easy because Randy Quaid is, I think, nine feet tall, nine foot seven. Yeah. So Robert Downey Jr. comes running out. He looks like fucking dwarf. Like he looks like he's running around on his knees. Yeah. And he has this little clap that he does where he's clopping his hands together downward like a like a claw game. Like a like he saw a lobster getting pulled out of a tank and he's like, that's right. the physicality I need for my Randy Quaid son character. <laughs> 
doing I a mean, peepee dance the whole time. It's so yes, I love it. It's, it's such a crazy little clap. It's one of those There's, moments where in rehearsal, I'm sure there was a lot of like. I, I I honestly don't know. It just feels like one of those moments where like if you've ever done any like sketches or anything where you had to just let go of yourself, you just have to yeah. like leave your body and just mm-hmm. go into a fugue state. And that's what <laughs> it that felt yesterday. like. And it works. It works. But like, mm. you saying right, uh, Robert Downey Jr. has no recollection of performing this. Probably I not. That. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I don't think Randy Quaid does either. <laughs> We should right, say yeah. that one of the reasons this works is it, it is pre-recorded. This is a pre-recorded bit. Yeah. Uh, the is only it? bits that, that work are, are these bits. And one yeah. of my favorite, I think it's, it's not where they go out because they will never end on a punchline in this show. <laughs> but the punchline to this, to me, is when they, they're, they're advertising all their things that sink like their dead dad. And then they unfold a sofa bed and it farts right. and they're like, woo! Like, yep. Now it's taking for a different $5. reason. Now this, you thought it was giving my dead dad, but no, this sofa bed farts. Right. There's just, that's uh, fucking fantastic. It's always edging we to a, a punchline. It's always yep. like, that's like, I was imagining the writer's room for this one where someone's like, you know, what if the furniture store, like someone died and it smelled. And I imagine someone goes like, okay, yeah. And then what? And it's like, what do you mean? We got, we got a sketch. Let's move on. And then they did. <laughs> yeah. And that's like most of these sketches are like setups, mm-hmm. and then they never like unfold in any interesting yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. We I, I talked about this before about how like modern comedy has spoiled us because there's always like a second yeah. turn to everything. Like if you watch a Key and Peele sketch, there's always a twist. There's always some sort of a thing that takes the premise and like you know knocks it sideways. Right. And these do not have that. These are just like here's a bunch of guys. T- jumping off of a thing onto the dirt. And yeah, one of them dies because it's you die when you do that. And the end. Right. And you're like, what What the fuck? That See, one felt very Monty Python. But if you're going to do that, my notes. <laughs> if you're going to do that, it's a matter of timing. Like, if you're going to have one thing, yeah. that's fine. It works. It works really well. It works on, like, five-second films. You, you be short. You be short. You have one You be thing, short, yeah. And then you end it. And what they do is they have one joke. They execute that joke. This man dives into the dirt. And then when they should cut away, they're like, and now three more minutes. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. But we're getting way ahead. That's like way later. Yeah. Uh, because next up is Cleveland Vice. Yeah. And holy shit. So is the joke sketch. that it's Cleveland? Yeah. I, yeah. I had that was trouble, the only joke. Okay. I had trouble figuring out what the joke was because it was, yeah, they, they were just like, it's Cleveland cold. Sucks. And we take the yeah. bus, and it's Cleveland. And, like, it feels like these days, like, I am I bet you we have, like, an SVU Cleveland. Like, that's, like, choosing Cleveland doesn't seem subversive in a funny way to me. And maybe that's modern sensibilities where it's like, oh, back then was all the detective shows just L.A. and New York or something? In Chicago, yeah. But yeah. Cleveland has always, like, had the reputation of, like, a shitty place. Yeah, I guess. And so... And so, I mean, but that's the full gag. The punchline is Cleveland Vice. The punchline is like there's a brief setup yeah. where they're like trying to solve a crime in a bowling alley. And then it's like they just kind of wander off drunkenly. <laughs> yeah. And then it says Cleveland Vice. And you're like, it's not a great punchline, but that's your punchline. And then they're like, and now the continuation of our yes. Yeah. So uh, about the bowling alley, because they set up this whole thing with John Lovitz and this family. And like, oh, you're great. You're always here. And I was like, OK, this is clearly the start of a sketch. They spend like a minute on this. It, it's nothing. It's a red herring because they don't, yeah. they don't come back. Right. Or they don't in any meaningful way. No. It's just well, show the audience the, silent watching this conversation yeah. happen yeah. that doesn't have any bits. And then it just 
they move on. Yeah, they did a joke where like, okay, so all the pregnant ladies are leaving the bowling alley and it's not quite obvious yet to the viewer that they're stealing bowling balls. Right. Because we don't know that that's the premise of the sketch. And they do like one bit, which is the lady's like, yeah, I bowled a 50 and then a 78. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then she goes, in the third game, I didn't do so good. And you're like, is that the joke that she's not good at bowling? Right. Like they could have just had them like walk out. That's it. That's yeah. all you really need and say like goodbye. But they like it's like a, it's watching this mystery unfold. And again, the audience right. is dead silent because there's no jokes being told. There's no joke. And John Lovitz, I think, gets a laugh by saying something so weirdly because he leaves and he says, you remember our motto. If you can walk, you can bowl. Right. And I think that he's like, what? Yeah, I feel <laughs> like he was like, I'm going to make a meal say? of this line they gave me. Yeah. Because there's because nothing else. My happened. only one. Yeah. It's so strange. So. Um, it cuts to like the Miami Vice music, but it's just like B-roll of like snow plows and like muddy Cleveland streets. And it like runs through a whole cast of made up characters with sort of just like Polish names. But yeah, I want to emphasize this. They're not funny. Like any, any comedy writer would look at this and say, oh, this is the perfect place to put gag names and they don't do a single yeah. one. The audience laughs and I would argue it's a laugh of relief which is that mm-hmm. there's a delayed laughter when the credits start. And then once they figure out like, oh, that's the joke, then they laugh, yeah. almost like relieved that, okay, it is a comedy bit. We are in a comedy yeah. bit. I get it. Somebody at least wants me to have a good time. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, happy. I'm happy they're not going to corner me with a gun because yeah. I'm starting to right. think maybe I got into the wrong warehouse. <laughs> and this is like, like maybe it was Sorter Night, Sorter Day Night Live. And, right. and, I, and it's just meant to trap. It's meant to trap tourists. <laughs> For a kidnapping scheme. Yeah. I would argue shares. this is a this is a generous hot crowd. Like these guys, if you give them a joke, they'll fucking laugh for you. But they did uh, not they give them a joke. Yeah, they just don't know where they're supposed to be. Uh, yeah. So and let, let me try to sketch real quick the the premise of this sketch, which uh, should not be performed by a drunk Harry Dean Stanton, maybe anybody, but it's like yeah. kind of that pitter patter dialogue exchange that you sort of see in vaudeville. One performer's like. Uh, I misunderstand you. No, sir, I misunderstand you. Sir, I'm too dumb to navigate language. No, sir, 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 make no mistake, it is I who am too dumb. And, like, they just do that for a little while. But uh, Randy Quaid seems to have about a 20% accuracy rate for his lines. And Harry Dean Stanton, as we've mentioned, is just drunk off his ass. So they cannot handle this fucking who's on first shit. And, again, again, no one's laughing. It's the we have to find out who did it, and then we catch him. And it's like, yes. well, we would to find out who did it. We we have to catch him first. And it's like that's what I'm saying. And it goes back and forth. And yeah, Harry Dean Stanton is just like slurring through it. And it, it again, dead silence. Like dead they're silence. like listening yeah, to a commencement Nielsen speech. Could have sold this. Like this yeah. would be yeah. if, if you, you, got if you yourself, did it right, you could have sold it as like an okay filler bit. There, there's an oasis right. in this sketch that the audience you can feel them like get a little because they just they they're like oh thank christ when someone does a random joan rivers impression and it doesn't play into it they cut to this scene and then they just cut away and they're like anyway and it never plays in but like people are like oh i know i know joan rivers impressions okay that's it that's something thank god yeah i i don't want to apologize for the show but i think i think that's because miami vice always had like um hot celebrity cameos right oh, and like okay. they're like oh in cleveland i guess you'd get fucking joan rivers doing a fucking like laugh-in sketch that's the other thing is that it's so hard 
to like know what what is just flat comedy here and what is like mm. a 1986 reference I don't get so I'm yeah. going off of the audience response but the audience response is also just baffled silence most of the time yep. so yeah. I think yeah they agree we know you hang out at better lanes over here we've seen you there at Buckeye Lanes yeah so what's our luck is bowling or what you stole that what do you ball got from bad it's my bowling ball you stole that ball from Buckeye Lanes, didn't you? No, it's, it's, it's not. This isn't the, the first ball you've stolen from Buckeye Lanes, We're is it? Drunk. Why would I want to steal one of Buckeye Lanes' crummy bowling balls? Let's so. go down to it's the drunk Harry Dean Stanton holding a gun. We can get a the prop gun. Yes. But here. a gun. <laughs> one hopes it. And it's pointed at Randy Quaid and not at the suspect. Why don't we go over to Superior? We can get to 20 then transfer to the 14th. Yeah, which might not be a joke. It's got a block from the station. Well, if you got correct change... Okay, and then they're like... We, they take the bus. Here. The they, gag they, is they take the they bus. They took the bus. And then they, they endurance comedy through it. I was really hard, because during the scene, I wrote, like, so no jokes still. And I, I, feel, like, <laughs> I feel like I was earnest when I said that, because I was having trouble identifying a lot of the jokes as being yeah. jokes. That's when, yeah, they take a bus, and I'm like, so in Cleveland, they don't have cars? Like, that. I was trying to piece together why... It, was cleveland and i get the idea of like oh yeah it's just cleveland they're they're like it's like you know newark or something like let's make fun of a city for not being like medium-sized and like maybe not great but i couldn't understand why taking the bus was like a cleveland thing yeah i imagine their police is overfunded they probably have cop cars right and i was like oh cleveland Public transportation paradise cleveland so this the joan rivers guy was uh terry sweeney and uh, he's kind of a cast member lost to time. Uh, I he shows up later doing a different character. I guess we'll we'll talk about him later. But yeah. um, uh, okay, I want to talk about the gunfighter sketch. I had a very uh, troubling realization as soon as they started this gunfighter sketch. Hmm. What was that? And that was that in every era of SNL, there's kind of a lead character. There's like an anchor to the cast, and like. Right, like like Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell was the mm-hmm. anchor, the main character sure. of his of his era, or or Eddie Murphy or whoever. Like, mm. it, there's always like a performer that they are like, okay, this is our star. He gets a lot of time. We're going to center a lot around him, and this is Randy Quaid's era. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, that's terrifying. He's in almost every sketch. He's the main character. Uh, this relies on the comic talents of Randy Quaid. It's all resting to on hold him. hold the whole thing together. Him yeah. and Robert Downey yeah. Jr. are in it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I also... Also, this era, not a very trustworthy bet. No. <laughs> I, I, this, I don't want to bury the lead with this sketch. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. This was the most disturbing thing about this sketch for me, is that this sketch almost correctly predicts how Harry Dean will die. And win? Holy shit. Almost. It, they say at the end, uh, I think it says character died 37 years later of a heart attack. Harry Dean Stanton would die 31 years later of heart failure. So oh they almost predicted his death in this SNL sketch. God, that's fucking dark. Yeah. No, it's not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe this like, is what all the things. Him. This episode did wrong. Maybe that's the maybe that's the most. Cruel. I would argue yeah. that they also went on to say if it was all like little stresses of, of like this that killed him. And I think in that sketch they were talking about these these gunfighting duels. Right. Uh, right. I, I would say that they were talking about these SNL sketches, the yes. little stresses 
of things yeah. like this have built up over the years and killed Harry Dean Stanton. This couldn't have been good for anybody's health um, mm. in a lot of ways. Uh, this one was written by Jack Handy, uh, and it was actually written for Chevy Chase, not Harry Dean Stanton. Okay. But I guess they saved it, or they didn't use it, and they're like, fuck, dust off that old gunfighter sketch for Harry Dean. And I don't know, maybe Chevy Chase could have brought like some sort of a physical comedy to it to make it work. I have no idea. But this sketch was a fucking beast. It was like it's a disaster. ludicrously prop heavy. I would say the set was probably twice the budget of most shows at the time. All the jokes needed a full camera cut and a sight gag. It felt like a random 10 minutes from a Mel Brooks or a Zucker Brothers script that someone just, ad- that, not even adapted, just performed on a stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, so it, it, it's so clunky that like yeah. I, it's every joke is a little awkward because it does feel like there's a lot of like cutaway gags that you, again, you need to pre-film. Like, this should have been exactly. a pre-filmed sketch where you do, like, the Western style and all that stuff. Like, you make... Because, mm-hmm. like, none of the jokes felt like they landed and I wasn't entirely sure what they were going for. But when you... They had yeah, panic where, buttons built into the comedy where they were, like, in the script, they realized this is not funny. We need to give the audience something. Hey, right. here's John Lovitz as, as Dr. Frankenstein. It will not pay off. It will not have anything to do with the sketch. We just need to give you something goofy so that you remember this is a comedy. It's even worse because they cut to John Lovitz as Dr. Frankenstein and no one laughs. No No one laughs at at this gag. Why would you? Yeah. I get it's kind of weird that he's there, but like it's not funny that he's there. No, it's all Um, nervous laughter. All the laughter. That last sketch. Before this, it did the thing where it just sort of ends and there's like a silence and then a delayed applause because everybody is just so confused about what they're supposed to be feeling watching these sketches. Randy Quaid stands up for the showdown like they're going to have the the draw, the quick draw. And when he stands up, his chair creaks for like 30 seconds (laughs) and it's Damon Wayans back there just kind of pulling the chair slowly. I'm like, is this a bit or is like... Yeah. Are we not supposed to hear that? It's so fucking weird. Nobody laughs to give you a cue as to whether or not. Did they not have the laughter signs back then, or is this audience (laughs) ignoring (laughs) it? Of course, they could have used some help. I I have a clip of this. Uh, I think people relate. I just want to. You got to bury it just like I buried your brother. My brother's dead? He wasn't until I buried him. You (laughs) see. People just can't live under the earth like that. They can't breathe very well. Built to choke energy. Mm-hmm. See that? It has to be intentional, right? What the fuck? It's gotta be, but there's no way Killing to know. Killing me ain't gonna bring your brother back to life, Jesse. Oh yeah? There's no way to know what's well, a choke energy. Better ask Doctor Frankenstein about that. Doctor? You might bring his brother back to life. You see, he can hook electrodes to your body and then hook them up to his brother's body. And when a storm comes, I told you before to stay out of this stuff, Frankenstein. Okay. I think so. I think we need to explain what the sketch is. Also, I think a few people probably raised an eyebrow when we said Damon Wayans, because he is—he's—it's guest. It's like he's a featured person in the. Like, mm-hmm. I, d- I don't know how that works. Like, in the credits, they have the main cast. Then they're like, you know, here's who's, who's guesting. And then here's, like, some mm-hmm. supplemental cast. And he was one. Right. Um, the, I think the bit is that it's a series of Western tropes, figures of speech, then being, like, subverted in what, in air quotes, funny ways. Right? That's the idea. Sure. 
So like the I buried your brother thing or like bring him back from the mm-hmm. dead Frankenstein, but they're not really Western tropes. Uh, and I, that's the most sense I can make of this sketch. Like if you were to <laughs> p- pitch the sketch of like, so what's the sketch? Like, I think that's what it is, is that they keep. I felt like it was just silly. Like I felt like, yeah, you know, he was, you, my brother's dead. Yeah. He, he wasn't until we buried him. Like that's kind of the, just a little wordplay cuteness, but then. I don't think you should explain what death is and then cut to Frankenstein to explain how necromancy works. I feel like that's like maybe... uh, On paper, I I think that could be very funny. On paper, I think that's enough of a Jack Handy bit that you'd be like, if if you wanted to execute it. But if you give that to a bunch of extremely drunk men who are not certain where the punchline is, and then you you also forget to write punchlines... Right. I don't think anybody's going to laugh. What I exactly. what I would love to see from this show, from this era, from the sketch specifically, is the exact moment where they handed this script to Damon Wayans. Yes. And told him like, "Here's your character. Here's your one line. Would you like to read it, Damon Wayans? I hope you have a clip because I'm not saying that. I'm not saying what he, he has yeah. to say. He, yeah, I did not take a clip." I, I guess he plays a former slave. Is that the idea? And he does it very minstrel style because yes. his only line is is uh, it, it it's yes sir said in certain ways. And it's the mm-hmm, first mm-hmm. line, I believe, or yep. one of the first lines. And one it's like immediately lines, it's a one bummer. of two parts he gets in this yeah. episode. And somebody at some point had to hand him the script for this and had to be like, "Here, you're a black comedian. I have written you a role." Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna like it. Yeah, uh, it's it's a well, real bummer. The <laughs> I, I'm pretty guest, sure you're not I, supposed to feel sad by this point in the show, right? At the first line in a sketch, <laughs> probably wouldn't. not. Okay, I wouldn't think so. So uh, Harry Dean drunkenly introduces his replacements, and uh, this is real cute. They were a last minute replacement for the Pointer Sisters. That's fun when things like that work out. Oh, so yeah, they also uh, look I think identical. they kind of. They, you'd never be able to tell them apart from no. the Pointer Sisters. They uh, kind of rule. Uh, they they kind of never gave a fuck about commercial success. So uh, coming into this, they'd never been on TV before. And that seemed to be by choice. They basically refused to do music videos. So when they're having a meeting with their manager about music videos and how they're never going to do them, and he was like, you're absolutely going to do them. Paul Westerberg's like, fine, get us on Hee Haw and we'll lip sync something. But he'd walked right into the trap because... From there, they came to a compromise that the band would agree to go on TV if it was live. And so then they, he immediately went about booking them on SNL. And uh, there's a book about the band called Trouble Boys, uh, I found from a Rolling Stone article about this very episode of Saturday Night Live. Um, and, I, you know, I, I scrubbed through it. It, it. They do seem like maniac children. And I, I took some clips from the book. Um, so... Uh, part of the book explains how uh, their co-manager was like, guys, you're on TV. Do you know what blocking is? It means you got to stay on your mark so the cameras can film you. And their manager says, and I quote, that was the worst kind of thing you could say to the replacements. <laughs> so these yeah. guys are, it's like yeah, everything they learn about production is just like an instruction on a, it's like a cheat code for fucking up the show. So every, every bit of information they learn is like, oh, let's do the opposite to fuck up the Saturday Night Live performance. And uh, so they, before the show went live, they, they put them in a room and they were just kind of freaking out. Uh, the book makes it sound like they were just caged animals. So maybe Paul Westerberg's blood <laughs> burns with the fire of the beast, but I imagine they're just kind of nervous and excited. Um, 
Everyone was too cool for us. You should know everyone is too cool for Saturday Night Live, even back in 1986. Uh, still, it's a pretty big deal, I think, when you really get down to it. So, um, so they're probably nervous. And anyway, a sound guy gives them some liquor uh, right before Harry Dean Stanton pops in to say hi. And they're like, Harry Dean Stanton, you want to come have a drink with us? And he is like a big, hard fuck yes. So he slams the door and they go in and they start just pounding <laughs> drinks. Uh, <laughs> uh, the book at this point started to editorialize about this episode i have a quote here it says episode seven of snl's new season was yet another dog weak <laughs> commercial spoofs a one joke send-up of the miami vice set in cleveland a hackneyed western gunfighter skit they're done talking about it they're just this fucking shit sucked uh but i would think i would agree that the performance was awesome uh as the band thought so they do bastards of young if you know the band uh, it's sloppy and noisy but I would have had no idea uh, that it was on accident it's if punk. there wasn't it's so much media about this being a train wreck. And Say noisy. again? It said it's punk. It's supposed to be sloppy. And you're doing exactly. it wrong if it's not sloppy exactly. and noisy. Like, there's a moment where Paul just, like, leaves the mic and wanders around rather than singing a verse. And I thought this was a strong artistic choice. I do that shit at karaoke all the time. Hmm. Like, like, I'll be like, fuck this verse to young MC. Maybe I don't bust a move at Larry's wedding this time. I'm fucking <laughs> doing a lap. Uh, I mean... But anyway... I, I, I'm sure you guys, you might have even talked about the time Fear was a musical guest on SNL. And it's hard to oh. top that. They're, I have believe Fear. About that? They're the only so. musical uh. guest who I believe get played off. That they, they literally, <laughs> they literally um, faded the lights out. They yeah, bust they in right a mosh off. pit. Like they, they literally brought in a mosh pit for their performance. It was like, it was apparently um, uh, Belushi. Uh, his request i guess and uh it's not a band that should be playing on snl and they realized that pretty darn quickly during their set right. and just fucking faded it out so um, they they had a dress rehearsal that went very badly and they were like well we're gonna mm-hmm. replace them and jim belushi said like hell you will and he threatened to quit the show not just the episode like the amazing whole show. and so they had to they put them on and they were just fucking <laughs> maniacs they were they specifically played their song directly insulting New York. Yeah, New York's so all New right. York. And then they did Let's Have a War. And that was when they were like, all right, we're done. And just they were just there tearing up the set. And I love the moment when they cut them off so much because it's when a guy, when one of the band members runs back and he grabs a huge pumpkin out of nowhere and he starts running forward and rears back as if to throw it like into the audience. And then the camera cuts out. And that's the worst time you can cut out because all you can imagine is like what happened yeah. after that. I'm sure right. he probably killed somebody. Just, it's- he probably just dropped it on the ground but you're like he fucking killed that cameraman with a pumpkin oh yeah it's entirely their fault too because it's again it just look into fear a little bit because you booked fear yes yeah and it's like yeah, yeah don't have fear on snl you idiots what what did don't you think was gonna happen that's true the replacements on when harry dean stanton is on yeah just <laughs> yeah. lorraine Newman had gasoline. a pumpkin stuck on her head for fucking six weeks <laughs> um so uh so in, in rehearsal for this show Bob Stinson had missed his uh, solo cue. So during the live performance, Paul wanted to make sure he didn't miss it. So he goes right up to the mic and he screams, come on, fucker. <laughs> and uh, it's it's muted in the comedy channel version I sent you. But uh, he screamed it directly into the mic and it was very premeditated. Mm. And so the book, the book talks about how Al Franken saw this from the side and was clearly cringing and like trying to like let Paul Westerberg know that like, hey, you fucked up. Stop doing this. And so you can see Paul like give him a big theatrical wink during the next verse. I make it sound cute, but it's like as mean as you can wink. It's a fuck you wink. Uh, and so um, 
Yeah, I love it. The ending is so punk rock. It's just, you can hear someone clearing their throat. It sounds like the band's just falling down the stairs. It's a big bunch of noise. <laughs> then Bob Stinson does this backward somersault, shows everyone his asshole through the rip in his unitard. Um, <laughs> and then after all that, just fucking fantastic performance, it cuts into this basic ass sketch about John Lovitz and Joan Cusack in the hospital where like, this was sad sack amazing husband. sketch. Yeah. Imagine being the audience and like seeing that performance, even like, if you're yeah. into them at all, but you just you have to carry a certain energy after that performance of like, yeah, let's fuck shit up, and then we go into this sketch. Like, what do you do with that energy? You have to like punch the person next to you. Yeah, yeah. you have yeah. to do something with it. You have to turn to a life of crime. To throw a bottle. I don't yeah. know. This sketch is this is prime. Like, like they, this isn't even. Mm, they, they didn't even have a full idea here. It is right. it is like four lines from what I remember, and then they just end the sketch. It felt like they pulled the plug on it. Like number one, like this should have been the bit is um that John Lovitz is the husband, she just gave birth, and he's like, the things you said while giving birth were really insulting. So right away I was like, Well, show that. Show the birth scene. Do it do it as the birth scene. That's a funnier bit. You have the doctors involved. She's you, you be screaming, and then the things she could scream could get more and more elaborate and accurate. Mm -hmm. um, but it's none of that. He just kind of accuses her, like confronts her. She says, "Like I'm sorry." Uh, they they list some of the things she said, which are like kind of funny, but not like it's like I wish I married this other guy, or like you, like you always, you know you always run to your mother like very like like basic you yeah, know like Kathy sitcom yeah and then they bring the baby out and then the and then it fucking ends uh and <laughs> yeah. i was like well, that's it that's the sketch right. well but hold like on. that that's baby could have had a funny name that like yeah in her rage she could have named it like my husband's limp dick or something right I, yeah. <laughs> or like it could have <laughs> been that increasingly that abstract like jokes like it could have gotten really weird and like specific about like how she robbed a bank <laughs> 10 years ago or something anything yes. i was looking i was yeah. grasping for fucking anything and then before i knew it the sketch was over now you said you said they bring the baby out in the sketch hands that's not fair it's not quite accurate what they do is they bring the baby out and then we watch john lovitz for about 30 seconds slowly fall in love with his new baby boy <laughs> yes and she says he looks right. like you and he says oh Oh, he does. And then he look at his little grip. And then they, as pet loving parents, uh, just kind of watch over their child for a while. Yes. And that's the end of our comedy sketch. That's a great punchline. Everyone yes. loves that punchline. It is mostly uh, that. It's mostly just did watching. You, did they write that down as the end of a comedy sketch? And yeah. somebody's like, why does this Why does this have like a Hallmark movie ending? Yeah. <laughs> that's half a page of the script. That's 30 seconds of screen. Yeah. I read a, uh, a weirdly fussy review of this episode during my research for the podcast, and uh, I learned that Denitra Vance has dyslexia, and that's probably why she's fucking up so many of the lines she had in this sketch. Oh. So she's coming in just calling people all the wrong shit. Yeah, she corrects uh, herself. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I just thought that was a fun Saturday Night Live fact. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got the Dennis Miller uh, weekend, weekend update. update. Very... Uh, I, I have a clip. I think people are. I just want people to understand. This was at the the peak of his talent. This is Dennis Miller. What people He's know him. He's feeling himself. Here we He's go. like this got why that we smirk. Have him. Yeah. All right. <laughs> 
Let me play this. The Iran-Iraq border, the South Africa-Zimbabwe border, of course, Uganda, Syria-Israel-Lebanon conflicts, and lastly, Jerry Lee Lewis's current marriage. It's, so good. It's he only fucked up three or four of those things. Yeah. <laughs> and then said, uh, said the punchline under his breath. And then turned away before he could see the the eyes yeah. of the people not laughing at him. Yeah, he knew he fucked up. It, it's it's so there's a few layers here. One is I don't know what because Weekend Update, you know, SNL is weekly, so like it's it's really like niche to what's in the news that week. Yeah. So right. I don't know most of what he's referring to. So there was that level of like I don't get the joke because I just don't. I wasn't, you know, sentient sure. when this was happening. But also the audience isn't laughing, so I can tell the jokes aren't good either. Mm-hmm. And then he's just not performing them very well anyway. And, and that so, Jerry Lee Lewis's marriage is like a Mad Libs. Like that's like yeah. insert celebrity, you know, in yeah, How turmoil. old was that already right now to go to that punchline yeah. in 1986? Who are you talking to? And it's to Dennis Miller. He, that could have been Oingo Boingo. It could have been. <laughs> he missed. I just find it. I find it fascinating that like this. This is his time. This is why we to he's this peaked. day he's have peaked. Dennis Miller. Yeah, he's John uh-huh. Stewart in this moment. He's the. He's it. Um, and the audience, they whooped. They 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 blew up for his pie joke. That was when they yeah. really lost. God it. damn, they popped for that pie joke. Yeah, but that the was the winning it. lottery number is pie, and they just fucking went crazy. They lost it. Like and people like, who had never heard a joke before in their life. <laughs> what? And he goes, yeah, I like that one, too. He's just what? all, like, cool about it. Yeah, yeah. fucking sweet joke, right? What's he the, was uh, really playing it cool. What's the Mark Twain story where, uh, where like, somebody time travels back to, to King Arthur or whatever? Star Trek? They, they bring a, they bring a, a minigun with them. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> if, if you brought the modern comedy sensibilities yes. of just oh, yeah. the, the, the most below average Twitter poster going back to 1986, they'd be a fucking god among men. <laughs> I'm they glad really you saw would. exactly where I was going, because that's my immediate <laughs> thought was like, my god, if you teleported me back there, I oh would my be god. the king of the world. This is your standard? God. You're yeah, laughing no. at the lottery number is pie? I'm going to fucking slay. I'm going to bring <laughs> a minigun. These people are starving to death, and he just shat in a bowl and handed and it over like, to yes! them. And they're just like, oh, yes. <laughs> they're so into it. Um, it's funny we're talking about it because the next sketch is uh, That Black Girl, which felt like a, a, so of its era because it was just a That Girl parody, but racial. Like That Girl had gone off the air 15 years before they filmed this, and right. it was just That Black Girl. And it was 1986, so just having the balls to be racist was in itself a joke. Like It was a right. golden age of just clumsily walking right into racism and being done with your punchline. Yeah, that so, was a, it's it's a it's like a sitcom um, spoof and I would argue the jokes are on the level of a sitcom of that era like it felt and right. it and the plot just sort of plays out like a sitcom and then mm-hmm. it, again no punchlines it just ends. Like I watched a clip from a sitcom. Now, yep. you're not being fair again. You said it just ends. No, what happens is they leave <laughs> They consider what has just happened. The agent comes back in and announces, actually, it's okay because she got the understudy of the part that she wanted. Right. And then we once again celebrate, uh, a couple celebrates a minor success in their lives. Well, the audience yeah. watches silently. One more time, we tell the entire Dead ending sense. of a Hallmark movie. Yeah. Instead of a punchline. <laughs> this one finally has Harry Dean Stanton, and I was Did wondering somebody... if they had like had him lie down for a while. 
because he is missing for a large chunk in the middle here. He drank some, I, he drank some water. He's yeah. back. Yeah, he's sobered up. Uh, I, um, what I love about Harry Dean Stanton is he's so drunk and non-racist that he fucks up this dead simple, dead simple bit of just that girl but black. Right. Um, I have a clip of it, of him. It's amazing. Lionel Garland, hotshot Broadway director. <laughs> that girl, that black girl. <laughs> Excuse us, Latoya, honey. Donald Love the Marine piece. Wonderful. Oh, uh, he sounds Lionel, like he just woke that up black from girl a coma. Yeah. She's perky, bubbly, spurky, spunky. Everything, everything. But Debutante Ball was written for a white girl. A young white girl from Southampton on the eve of her first cotillion. Excuse me. Hitting every word. Mr. Garland, I play. A black girl can play a debutante. Look. God damn. What a fucking train wreck. Mother! People it's can't my see, dance card. It's but he's filled. holding a and Sherlock I don't know to put pipe. down next. That Vanderbilt <laughs> yeah. boy or Skyler. People can't see, but he's holding Rads himself will. up barely. Yeah. Oh, it does look like a struggle oh, to wonderful. stand. Yeah. They, Fantastic. They um, shoved a prop in their, his hand, and they just let her, like, go out there and just try your best, man. Just get these lines out. Just hug the walls. Uh, always yeah. stay close to a table. You can use a table to stabilize yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Two non-racists to fucking get this bit. Um, you also heard Terry Sweeney in the clip. Um, the the he was going for like a Robert Evans thing, the the Hollywood one, not our maniac friend from behind right. the bastards. And but he was just accidentally nailing a hundred percent pitch perfect Joan Rivers. He so was. I just love that this season. Yeah, this season had a cast member who can't read cue cards and another one who only does Joan Rivers. <laughs> and, incredible. <laughs> and the rest of the cast is Joan Cusack. It's Anthony yeah. Michael Hall. It's Robert Downey uh-huh. Jr. It's apparently Damon Wayans. What the fuck is going on? Future yeah, what? superstars. Anthony All Michael superstars. Hall, by the way, like where is he in this ep- this episode? I, d- I, d- yeah, I don't totally. think he's not. He's at the very He's not. end he was in with Bruce one McCulloch. Yeah. Also yeah. Bruce McCulloch. And just how did how did any I'm amazed anybody survived this, as in like physically, as in like oh, yeah. living through this. <laughs> Much less came out making perhaps one of the biggest like superstar seasons that has ever been. Yeah. Right. Incredible. But this uh next up is a Sam Kennison stand up set. Uh, yeah. which is great. So I, I had kept their tradition alive by not doing any jokes. Yeah, I, I I didn't know who this was. I, I have to admit. Oh, this. for real? Yeah, oh, I didn't know Sam Kinison. So imagine my shock at this man. Yeah, who's dressed like a Batman villain, whose entire <laughs> bit is that he's loud. Like that was it, yep. right? He's That's very it. loud, and his That's first it, yeah. joke is about line. how it must suck to work at a donut shop, and that's yep. it. And it's it like how does. relatable. Right. Such a common man talking about how much it sucks to work behind a counter. Now, I'd like to hear your observations about uh, the ways that it might suck to work at a donut right. shop. Oh, you don't mm-hmm. have any. Okay. No. He, right. It, it really sounds crazy. like he sounds like he's just describing like a like being out in New York and being just a generally a bad person where he yes. just went to get some donuts and he just decided to hate the person behind the counter, probably because they took too long. Like, it sounds like the most out of touch like awful thing and then he follows up for the killer ending by talking about how he cheated on his girlfriend <laughs> yeah. and i was like oh yeah, okay pretty hard so your bit is that you're just a terrible person then i looked I, him up I really and i like, got sad because i learned yeah, how he died that you're kind of doing a sam kinnison thing too because yeah. he's sort of 
uh, he gently leads you into the sadness trap, like right. a preschool teacher. Like he's like, like like here in this, he does a bit where he's like, you know, I don't think you should beat women. I don't think you should slap them around, right? I just I don't believe in beating women. I understand it. Yeah, you know what the fuck? Like what, it was a trap the whole time. Right. His again, his bit is that he's generally unpleasant, and and yeah. and, and, and like, loud you and loud. loud. It'll, like the way like you'd see him on the bus, you'd run into him on the bus, mm-hmm. and you'd 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 want to like take the hit so he doesn't talk to anybody else on the bus. Um, Ooh, you're <laughs> such a generous soul. I would not yeah. take that hit. I would pull the stop early. Yeah, that is my that's my move. Yeah, <laughs> fucking you deal with this. I'm sure. I, I I again. I I realize he's very successful and he's doing his thing. And he seems like in real life, like looking him up, he seemed like a nice enough guy. My I I should say I only skimmed it. His his like Wikipedia, so maybe I'm missing something horrible he did, um, but this general like this comedy bit, it just it was like Gilbert Gottfried, but somehow less pleasant. Like I don't, I don't know Gilbert yeah. Gottfried. Like I get his jokes more. This it felt like the punchline was always I suck, and I'm I'm an unpleasant person. Yeah, he went through some darkness too. Like some of his acts are like you would 100 percent call them hate crimes today. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay, so I I should retract what I said. Or I said that he seems like an okay guy. We were all monsters in 1986. Yeah. I don't think you need to retract what you said. I would just like to posit he had to be on this episode, though. Like, examine yes. yeah. the overall structure of this episode, what this episode is doing, Harry Dean Stanton, the cast, Randy Quaid. He's perfect. Think, like, look at it, and you would see a Sam Kinison-shaped piece missing, and you would be like, I have to put <laughs> Sam Kinison in here. Everybody's drunk and miserable. Why Why not? Why, yeah. why? Everybody will say. It's like it's like having a perfect example and not using it. Everybody will say, well, but what about Sam Kinison? Right. Like, it's this a, is drunk and miserable. Why wasn't Sam Kinison in it? We're in a lounge, th- like, lounge show from hell. We gotta have him as well. He He's just, yeah, it's it's... Mm. There's a moment I really love at the end of the episode uh, where he's trying to get them to like do his catchphrase like as they close the show, which is ow, ow, ow. and so at first that's kinda his like, catchphrase. Yes, it is. <laughs> I love and, it. You're just uh, about him now. What a great <laughs> right? to teach you that comedy and, used to be this. That this was a that not only is that his catchphrase, it was everywhere. Everybody is, loved it. This is why boomers are so angry. Cause like, I get it. I get it now where they're like, when I was in my like thirties, this is what we had. This was it. Mm-hmm. No internet. Yeah. We had to, every Saturday night night, we had to turn this shit on and hope to Christ this that it was going to be funny. Very, yeah. And it never and it was. Wasn't this night. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, I just loved watching people bail on it because the first like, yeah, okay, that sounds fun. And he just kept doing it. It's like, no, we're doing a full minute and a half of, oh, ow. And they're like, what the? (sighs) Just everybody's worst friend, like as a performer. Yeah. Yeah, The the shittiest guy in the friend group. Uh, Anyway, the next one is Big Ball Sports. I guess we mentioned that one. It's great. It's like a pre-recorded. I had in my notes that it was Monty Python-ish. It really is. In a good way. Um, it was just a really well executed idea. No unexpected twists. It's like a like a 1914 dirt diving competition, like an ancient sport that's obviously very silly. Um, it's the height of the show. That's the end. Yeah. That's the end of the description. Uh, yeah. That's it. That, no need to roast it. It's fine. Again, uh, though, I want I want to say maybe 
maybe 15, 20 seconds into the sketch, if you just cut away, this would have been a good sketch. Right. Agreed. Here's, here's what's crazy. Listen, uh, it was written by Al Franken. That's not the crazy part. Uh, it was directed by Randy Quaid. Oh! <laughs> that's how his fucking tentacles are all over this, God this damn, whole really season. Is, <laughs> this is the Randy Quaid show. No wonder. This is... Now everything makes so much sense knowing this is the yeah. Randy Quaid show. Like, this is not Saturday Night Live. This is this is Welcome to Saturday Night with Randy Quaid. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> uh, the next sketch is super weird. Um, maybe in a good way. I don't know. It's Harry Dean Stanton plays a drunk asshole. Oh, this uh, sketch. This is the saddest <laughs> fucking sketch I've ever yeah, seen in my life. Weird. Uh, and no other things that it was supposed yeah. to be. It's like a mumblecore film. It's so real because it's yeah. just a, it's a it's a young couple at a bar who who they're just like they've they they've been together for a little bit but not too long. They seem to really like each other and they just get pestered by a sad drunk man. There are no mm-hmm. jokes. The, it's None. it's Harry Dean as the drunk man uh, and he's just very real and sad and like he's you really get sorry hint of like about it. Yeah, that there's like this <laughs> yeah, dark. He like knows he sucks. <laughs> like that. Yeah, he's like, I, like your, I like your wife's body. Yeah. No, I'm, I don't mean that in a bad way. Sorry. Ugh. That's literally one of the things he says. It's, That's, it's yeah, again, it's, it's the bus energy. It's a man who feels like he is going to jump off a bridge later that night. And it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's like so tragic. Like it, it's it is not the joke version of that man. It is no. just that man. It is like a dead on depiction of that man. I think they put this, I think this is the last minute edition because it's so late in the show, but also because surely during rehearsals, they realize that Harry Dean Stanton is an alcoholic and they're just like at the end of of the show on the night when he's there with the replacements he's gonna be fucking dead he's gonna be in the process of dying from alcohol poisoning we need to put a sketch in where he is dying from alcohol poisoning or everybody is gonna know yeah that was i wrote that down too i was like did they quickly write this sketch because he was drunk uh because it's very convenient that he gets to play a drunk man sitting at a bar and he uh, fucking kills it. Yeah, like, he does a great job. Yeah. He really made me feel sad. This just good a job of being a sad drunk man who wishes he belonged somewhere. Yeah. If you were not a sad drunk man who wishes he belonged somewhere. Yeah, it's a, a haunting scene. It's not a good comedy scene, but like it's <laughs> it's very good. It's a Jim it Jarmusch scene that sticks with you. <laughs> I can't stress this enough for people listening. It's just what we're describing. And then the couple get mad. One of them's Robert Downey Jr. And the couple get mad and, and they and they storm off. And then he just moves to the other couple and also is sad to them. And that's yeah. it. That's how it ends. It's just like, yeah, this is gonna go on forever until this man dies. Yeah. Good night. The Good audience night. they don't laugh. They quietly go outside, light themselves on fire after seeing this. Because there's nothing else you can do after watching this. It's tragic. <laughs> uh, way crazy different energy with the replacements coming on to do uh, Kiss Me on the Bus. Everybody, uh, except for Bob, have traded clothes in just random mischief ways. Uh, they fuck up the count off and they have to start a second time. And they mostly look kind of grouchy. Now, right. uh, I looked into this. Bob said he was so high he didn't know they'd done the trading clothes bit. I think they were going to involve him, but he was in the bathroom getting high. Sure. So. What happened behind the scenes is after the first performance, Lorne Michaels gave them a very stern talking to for saying the F word and trashing the green room. So um, this was very serious to him. They just fired a guy for saying it uh, a couple seasons ago and they were worried 
that they could get taken off the air for saying the effort. This is a different time in television production where that was a very serious thing. Right. Um, I, I feel like it's kind of a common thing to say the F word on Saturday Night Live. I think I feel like it happens every few years. There's probably like 10 articles listing the times on the, on the new Cracked. The modern Cracked probably really uh, made some lists about that. But, Why do they uh, love talking about Saturday Night Live so much? I don't fucking know. I guess we're doing it. There's, I, I like the show. But uh, yeah, it's so weird. Tommy Stinson went up to the main mic and he screamed, darn it, like all sarcastically. So whether <laughs> so whether or not that. saying fuck was a big thing, every person involved did everything they could to make it a big thing. Like from production to the band, every single person was like, saying the F word must be the most important thing in the world. Um, the book also says that Lauren Michaels screamed at their manager some more at the after party. And their manager, I mean, he's, he's the manager for their placement, so he doesn't give a shit. He's like, are you <laughs> so fucking yelling their, at me about the F word? He's and their so, college friend who they're doing a favor. Yes, yeah, he doesn't, he can't wrap his head around caring that someone said the F word under any circumstances. He said it at a child's funeral today. So, <laughs> so he, he's got <laughs> a big laugh. Uh, so here's this dick school thing about saying the F word. He, he had no idea how to apologize. He's just like, finish what you're doing and fuck off. Uh, his like if this was a video game, all of his dialogue choices would be "fuck you, you fucking little baby." Hmm. So anyway, Lorne Michaels was so upset by this that he didn't like suitably like apologize. That he banned them from the show forever. And uh, to be fair, he did get an eleven hundred dollar bill from the hotel later uh, to cover the damages the replacement did. Wonderful. Uh, okay. Yes. And did not look up the replacements at all before booking them. He's just like the replacements. That sounds like a nice I don't know nineteen fifties doo wop group. Let's get them yeah, on. They must be what great. The, oh, oh no. Pointer Sisters canceled. Oh, wouldn't it be cute if we replaced the... Oh, I love this plan. I, Do it. Book them. I've never met Lorne Michaels. All I'll say is every story I've heard about him, he is the villain of the story. <laughs> uh, and I'll leave it He at went that. mad with power. Yeah. He had uh, 11 seasons of show. He's like, I'm the most powerful man in all of the world. Yes. So, uh, so he was threatening not just to ban the replacements, but all Warner Brothers acts. Like, this is some shit that came out of his mouth. Oh, my God. And um, this, uh, you know, he calmed down from this because these are all just childish temper tantrums, not international law. But, um, and in fact, Paul Westerberg came back on the show in 1993. So he went back on all of his, like, fucking proclamations that night. Um, but anyway, that's the behind the scenes of the replacements. Yeah, in his defense. They said the F I'm, word. I'm sure he wasn't having a great night. Uh, just watching this show <laughs> yeah. for many I reasons. A year. I can think we could say the, the Randy Quaid season was not a good time in his <laughs> no. life. No, it was a very dark time. Yeah. But, but he had the talent, like the writing staff and the, the stars of the show, aside from Randy Quaid, it's just like your dream cast. Like looking back on it now, you're like, look at all these legendary names. The next sketch was a uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s White Sail. Is that it? Was that uh, the joke? That was it. That they that was it. Say, have white in the Pretty name much. of the sale, and then Randy Quaid shows up at sitting out. pool, sitting bowl, oh, yes. and that was a, that I was a real problem. What a choice! But that to wasn't do, the joke. Uh, his his mentally challenged no. impression as his Native American impression. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I that's think the I, I would have put some space between this and that black girl. I think because. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel like well, apparently it's Mar it, it's MLK Day like that at the end they say, yes. and I was like, what the fuck? This was okay. <laughs> um, oh, I missed uh, that. They did this on. <laughs> that was 
Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, this was yeah. either on or they the weekend of his birthday. opened it with Damon Wayans in the minstrel role. Yeah. Yep. On it. <laughs> this was them celebrating God Martin damn. Luther King. That's, this is <laughs> their this is illegal. This has actually become illegal yeah. right now. It's very tragic. Uh, this was a Robert Smigel one. That's because it's kind of it's kind of funny. Um, it's by far the better racist sketch. As, as you mentioned, it's got Randy Quaid as Sitting Bull, Robert Downey Jr. as Tarzan, Dennis Miller as George Washington. Yeah, uh, I have I have a clip. It's really good. Four score and seven. George Washington? I cannot tell a lie, Abe. I'm going to Jack's Warehouse Outlet Sale for the Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday white sale. I have a dream that you wanted quality linens at the lowest prices in town. John Lovitz must play salesman in so many sketches. How do they do it? (laughs) Elementary, my dear sitting bull. Low overhead means low prices. Great Jim Downey. I have seen the other side of the mountain, and the prices are way, way higher. So march on down to the king, king, king's eye savings at Jack's Warehouse Emporium. Here's the thing. Jack's Discount Emporium, Route 23, Dempster. I think I left in Robert Benning Jr.'s turn. Coming or not? Best part. Yeah, he was so happy to be with Tarzan. So, yeah. (laughs) Other than the word the white thing, if you took that out, this would just be an ad. Like that's yep. the thing is this is no different than an ad you'd see on like daytime cable. So like exactly. that's what we're dealing with here, like in terms of humor. Yeah, it's it's just anybody's local commercial where you're like yeah, where it's a little quirky, a little fine. racist, and you're like, man, this is ordinary. Yeah, it's I so have ordinary. An observation. What if you took this ad and you added the word white? We gotta. <laughs> My observation is finished. Thank you for listening. Right. <laughs> Have you guys considered racism? So many of these sketches depend on. Again, they they depend on like, like you, you know. I I've written comedy like this or worked on where you read the script and and you don't initially see how it's that funny. And then you watch the performers go and you're like, this is extremely funny. Like most kids in the hall sketch, they, they rely on this idea where if you read it on paper, you'd be like, that's not so funny. Then you watch it and it's the way it's performed and the way it's shot is extremely funny and dry. Mm -hmm. The problem is when you work with Cody, Cody does a great job of taking something that's more or less straight and making it like funny. Yeah. Or like Swaim was uh, the king of that. And Mm -hmm. like, uh, the point being that, like, I can see why they would write these with that in mind, but, like, they were clearly picturing something that, like, they needed to direct it. They needed to micromanage how it would have done. Yes. Because otherwise... Just, that's the problem. You weren't just, writing for Randy Quaid. Yeah. It gets lost in translation. You don't think Randy Quaid was a funny sitting bull? <laughs> I'm just saying if you wrote a sketch with Randy Quaid in mind rather than just writing a comedy sketch and hoping Randy Quaid could perform it, then this might have salvaged the Randy Quaid era. Can I tell you guys something that I, I, I knew I would probably have to bring up? Uh, full disclosure, Randy Quaid follows me on Twitter. Amazing. Uh, I'm one of the 400 people he follows. So, that's, uh, so I don't know if this will cool. come back to you guys. I don't know why that happened, but it just did. <laughs> he just... Uh, what does he do today? He like sort of films crazy things with his wife where he like threatens to murder people from yeah, his like, he's a Montana weirdo. compound. He's a weirdo. Yeah. yeah. Like professionally. You did 
quite a bit of research, some very thorough research, some very responsible research on this episode. What I did was I got distracted and learned about Randy Quaid. I like I <laughs> looked up literally what was the turning point for Randy Quaid because I was certain it had to be around this era. And I was right. Uh, it was 19 it was actually before. It was 1983 he became convinced that uh that Hollywood invented a woman named Rhonda L Quaid. And that they paid her all of his royalties. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. And then, that's like not that crazy, though. I was about to say that does sound crazy. like something they do. That's, yeah. He became convinced that's what happened. And so the rest of his life from this point on was in spite of Rhonda Quaid. <laughs> He's hunting her. <laughs> that bitch has my money. You, I'm Randy Quaid. Yes, is the answer to that, to that <laughs> sketch you did. Yes, that is what actually happened. I could see going mad, yeah. hunting Rhonda Quaid and never finding her. <laughs> the Randy Quaid book is just all I, all I have is vengeance, <laughs> and it's just, it's just three hundred pages documenting his Rhonda Quaid. Hunt. It's just oh, word yeah. for word Moby Dick, but find replace with Rhonda Quaid. <laughs> From hell's heart, I stab at thee, Rhonda. <laughs> for royalty's sake, I spit my last breath at thee, <laughs> Lord Michaels. It's backstage fuming. Harry Dean Stanton is on stage, drunk off his ass, being like, okay, okay, replace Mr. Sarah Cotterson, followed by 40 seconds of airtime to fill, which he did not. And you have his exact quote written in the exact way I wrote it. Okay, I want to thank replacement Sarah Cotterson. Oh, my God. What a performance. What you a- are, we are missing the best punchline of this episode, the only punchline that got a really true laugh out of me, which is... Stay tuned next week for Dudley Moore and musical guest Al Green. <laughs> it is pretty good. God damn. <laughs> Just a great way. A great way to end it. God, as if Dudley Moore is going to be more sober. Maybe that was like the theme. They're like, if it's <laughs> yeah. fucking, right. Right, no one wants to do Randy Quaid's show sober. Sadness. This is equally as big a disaster, but in the exact same way. <laughs> it's just... You're just... You learn nothing and you're going to do it all again next week is the best punchline. Mm. Love it. This is, man, people watched this. People had to watch this. And then they, like, they left. They left the theater. And, like, what did they do? You know, what do you do after this? You go, you get drunk, probably, because you've seen a bunch of drunk people. There's probably people who had, like, sad sex. Like, babies were probably conceived because of the sadness of this show. That's why there's so many herbs born in 1986. They're like, God, let's name this baby after that amazing Randy Quaid sketch we saw. <laughs> you can track like depression levels in America yeah. by the amount of babies that are named Randy from this period. I don't want to say this caused 9-11, but like, I can see the dominoes falling. <laughs> Best part.
it's Hot Dog Junction, America's last comedy, children's variety, trivia, pee-haw laughing for Christ. Now here's Robin Markey. Thanks, Yodel and Julius. I'm Rob, and my friend Marky here wants to tell you all about the supremest cat this side of Job 410. Take it away, Marky! Aaron Croston! Adrian H! Aaron Lord! Alpha Size Show! Alpha Size Alpha! Alpha Scientist Java? Yeah! Unhandy! It's Benjamin Cyrannan. Brandon Garlar. Brian Sailor. Marito. Cheryl. Chase. Clementine Danger. Clementine Danger? Yeah, that's Harvey Penguini. Hot fart. Honk. I know what I got this one. Jaber L. Aiden. Yeah, okay. James Lloyd. Jeff Horowski. Jeff Salter. John Dean. John McCann. John Inkoff. Joseph Charles. Josh Piss. Joshua Green. And Faithley. Thomas Kavatsos. Okay, okay, hold on. I'm gonna do it to hearts. 
I just gotta do it fast, real fast. I'm gonna help. Fuck this, I'm gonna go eat some kids.